to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Constance Friedman, the founder and managing partner of Modern Ventures and Modern Passport, an early-stage investment fund and industry immersion program focused on real estate, mortgage, finance, and home services. Constance has invested in more than 50 technology companies and helped bring them to market to create a leading edge within their industry. She's active on several boards, past and present, including DocuSign, Updater, Dialogue Tech, Exelligent, and more. Constance is the recipient of several prestigious awards, including Crane's Business 40 Under 40, Swanepoel's Power 200, and Inman's Top 101 in Real Estate. Now, let's welcome Constance to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. I'm going to unmute. I believe this is the right line. Hi, Constance. This is Tim Harris. Welcome back. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. You were giving us all a little heart palpitations because we thought you'd forgotten about us today. <laughs> no, I'm here. Okay, cool. So, look, I was actually reading your um, your uh, the, your investment companies, and it's really fascinating. Your focus and the types of companies that you have or you are investing in has uh, actually it seemed to have gotten a lot more drilled down and focused since the last time we spoke. I'm looking at these different these different companies and these different names. The first. Uh, question that comes to my mind is what is it that you're looking for in, in, in early stage investment companies? I and mean, what is what are the types of things that you gravitate towards? Well, our investment thesis, as 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 you guys outlined, is on real estate, finance, insurance, and home services. So we look for companies that have applicability in those spaces. But we also really like companies that have applicability in other markets as well. And so what we get really excited about, and I guess to back, the reason for that is because you know, the bigger the market, the bigger the potential opportunity for, uh, for returns. And so we like companies that have applicability in our spaces. We help them grow and mature into our spaces and use that as a launch pad to go into other markets. And so primarily what we're looking for are companies that address various business challenges in these markets, which, of course, can um, fit into other markets as well. But if you think about you know, sort of the life cycle or, or common challenges in any of the real estate, insurance, finance, home services industries that I mentioned, there's things like the, the, that these, these businesses are generally referral-based businesses. You know, if you're not getting your referrals from – if you're not getting your leads from referrals, you need to be getting them from other lead sources. And there's a communication aspect, whether you're talking to current, com- current customers, future clients, uh, internal clients, et cetera. You know, that's, a, that's a group that we're, that, that's a business challenge that these industries have. There's a financial or transactional element to every deal that's being done in these industries. They're largely relationship-based businesses. And, you know, finally, there's, 600,000 small and medium-sized businesses and thousands of enterprise companies within these industries all looking at different ways to better operationalize and 
achieve efficiencies within their own operating businesses. And so, you know, really what we're looking for are companies that fit some of these business challenges. And again, that can be focused within our industries, but also applicable in others as well. Yeah, and great. I, I see from reading the descriptions, these brief descriptions of each of these investment properties or investment companies. You know, it's fascinating to me. If we'd, we, you know, you and I have talked several times before on this podcast, and I remember uh, there was a, just a huge amount of money that was flowing towards companies that were helping agents lead generate and also manage leads, drip campaigns, all the rest of it. You know, all sorts of clever ways of helping in, agents generate business. And your your primary investments now, I mean, again, I only have a little one and two line descriptions of each of these companies, and I'm probably missing something, but you don't seem to have a lot of investment companies that are focused on those uh, sort of types of businesses. Is that because the uh, the nature of what people in general in your position like to invest in has changed over the past couple of years, and, and the investment community on a whole is moving away from the lead generation type companies and moving towards companies that are a little bit more ingrained into the process like these companies or somewhere along in the middle? Yeah, I mean, I think that lead gen is an important aspect of business, like I mentioned, but there's there's a lot more to business than just generating leads. Once you get those leads, you need to actually act on them. And yeah, there we, we do actually have a lead generation platform. It's called Agentology. And the thing we like about that one, which is really pretty unique from others, is it, it solves a real pain point in the industry in which lead generation is prolific, but good lead generation is very difficult. And so if you're paying a dollar a lead for 100 leads, but 99 out of 100 are crappy leads, you know, those are very expensive leads. And so what Agentology does, for example, is it qualifies your leads and it comes back with just the actual leads that are actually going to convert. So you know, on average in the industry, leads are converting at about 1%, and Agentology's leads can convert at 20 to 30%. So we do look at lead generation, but as you mentioned, Tim, as you go through the rest of our portfolio, what you see are different companies that facilitate efficiency throughout the full life cycle of a transaction, not just at the top. Well, let's hover on agentology because that's probably something, I mean, our in, uh, I'd love to talk about all these because some of these are like, oh, that's a good, I, I really like, honestly, I like really, really like Baru, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, we can talk about that one mm-hmm. in a second because anyone that lives in a city with lots of condos is going to want to know about this company. But so agentology, mm-hmm. so you, the agent, uh, the agent generates the lead, I assume, and then agentology essentially has folks that literally will take the lead and you know, speak with the potential buyer or seller, uh, pre-qualify them, and then send that lead back to the agent after having been sifted and sorted for their motivation. Is that essentially what they do? Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, so how does the what's the financial model on that from the agent's perspective? How does an agent pay for that service? Yeah, there's a couple different ways. You can either agree to sort of a flat fee per X number of leads, so, you know, for 100 leads that they qualify, you know, it costs X. For 500 leads that Agentology will qualify, it costs Y. And all that pricing is on their website. Or the other alternative option that an agent can choose is to just pay for it on the back end as part of a referral fee. Okay, got it. I like that. And, yes, that is a huge pain point for agents. Generating – it is interesting to me how many companies – 
are around trying to sell leads to agents, and you hit the nail on the head. It's like you, they'll sell you 100 leads, but maybe one's good, and you have to still have conversations with all you know 100 of them to find the one good one. Um, you might even being a little, you might be a little conservative with that. It may be like a 300 to one, or you know somewhere in the middle. But uh, I like the idea of an agent who's too busy, who doesn't necessarily have a system in place that can reliably convert leads. That is a, that I can see how, assuming the money makes sense, I can see how that would be something agents would definitely gravitate towards. And I can also see how that would be a business that you can scale outside of real estate because really there's so many industries right now that are, you know, any kind of sales industry where people are essentially buying leads. I mean, you watch a commercial on TV or whatever, and those uh, companies that are offering you a dentist referral service or whatever, they're just nothing but leads generators for uh, dentists who are buying leads so same idea so let's do That's let's exactly do talk right. about yep. am i am i explain am i saying it right baru is that right am i saying that name right baru pretty close baru <laughs> yeah <so> baru <laughs> is uh um you know one of the one of the things that we're seeing I'll, I'll just talk more generally for a second and then go into baru but one of the things that we're seeing from a interesting trend on the multifamily perspective is that it used to be that a condo or an apartment complex was really focused on amenities like a pool and a gym and these, you know, physical amenities that became really important. And the trend that we're seeing today is that service-based amenities are now becoming very important. And so Baru fits into that category, and I'll talk about another as well, Hello Alfred and, and maybe, maybe a couple of them, Hello Tech, um, and even Abode. But Baru, what Baru does is it is focused on helping, specifically on the multifamily, but helping to provide pet services to tenants. So, you know, currently a lot of people are paying pet rent or they're paying extra fees to have their pet in the, in the home and they're not really getting much out of it. And what the building operator can do is provide Baru as a service in which they will walk the dog or feed the cat or pet the fish or even they'll work with chinchillas and, you know, whatever, whatever it is um, really helps service your pet X number of days um, in the unit and then the tenant can, can basically upgrade up to things like, you know, vacation sitting or, you know, extra needs that they might need. Uh, Baru goes as far as bringing pet food into the home and um, and arranging for veterinary services, primping, various things around the, the pet services needs. It's like a, it's like a pet. It's your your description. It's like a pet connoisseur. I really uh, concierge. I really like that idea because, and I can see how a property owner would love that because it he'll make his building more appealing by offering that as an add-on for their potential tenants. And uh, yeah, that's brilliant. It is it is interesting to me how many companies that are getting funded right now that are sort of betting on a long-term play of you know, essentially lo folks being long-term tenants. Is that something that's part of your investment thesis, the assumption that essentially there's going to be a lot of folks that are going to be renting for maybe what longer periods of time in their lives than maybe uh, historically has been true? Yeah, we're seeing that today, and, and there's been some pent-up demand for buildings for a long time for rental units and so we're seeing a lot of construction in, in markets across the country and in some cases we're going to also see some oversupply in certain markets and so in in either case the buildings whether there's a low vacancy or an over vacancy um, people are competing heavily on bringing in new tenants and these service-based amenities are one way to do that. 
And the nature of what the buildings are offering, these new developments, they're almost like mini resorts. And the, but the units themselves, it's fascinating because Julie and I have investment properties in many states, and it's interesting. We always buy single families, but I always look to see what the comp competition is before you buy a single family. And there's always these, well, in many major markets, there's these really, they basically look like resorts that are these apartment communities. What's fascinating is that they're able to get people to buy or rent, rather, really small units, smaller comparatively to, say, a single-family house, but the amenities that go along with it are just like living in a resort. And, and that is something that's going to be fascinating to see how that trend continues because it will be very difficult for a lot of people who have lived a lifestyle like that to want to break free to then you know, have to start basically you know, giving up not only those amenities but then having to take after a property. So it is com entirely possible that we're going to see a long-term trend form of folks that just basically decide maybe that homeownership isn't for them or maybe homeownership is something they put off for uh, you know, older ages, you know, things of that nature. So who knows? But it's fascinating. And I do like these. Yeah. Uh, hello, Alfred. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I think you're going into it right now. But, but yeah, and that's a big part of the focus of these companies, too, is to increase renewal and retention and, and keep, keep a stickiness factor for these tenants. And I think you were just going into it, but Hello, Alfred is, is another right. one of those. So, you know, it's really focused on a butler service, if you will, concierge-level service for tenants. So it will go into a building and, um, again, you know, for, uh, for a service fee that the building may incur or may pass on to the tenants, depending on their, their model, um, really a small service fee, the Hello Alfred will basically provide a butler service. So once a week, they'll come in and tidy up. They will get the dry cleaning and hang it in the closet. They'll get the groceries and put it in the refrigerator. They'll do the prescription drugs. They will, um, they'll, and, and then they'll do above and beyond. So they'll start to do gifting. So I can manage the, the Hello Offered system as a technology platform that the, you know, manages the whole building. And as a tenant, I can go in and say, will you buy my mom flowers for Mother's Day? You know, will you get my husband XYZ gift? Will you arrange for a babysitter for my kids tonight? You know, whatever the service that you might need, you really have a true concierge and, and butler at your service. That is such a good idea. I love that idea. You know what? I think you're talking me uh, into selling my house and maybe living into a small Seriously, apartment. I'm just thinking in my head as a you know. But here's I'm so I'm 47 and and I know you're you're younger than me. But it's, I don't know if this is the same holds true for people that are maybe 10 years younger than me. But it used to be that owning a house was almost like a rite of passage into adulthood. And based on your investment companies and based on obviously a lot of things that are happening overall with uh, these types of uh, you know large luxury scale apartment complexes, I wonder if that's still true. I wonder if the younger generations are going to see home ownership as something that they sort of have to do as a you know as a rite of passage. Is, is do you have an opinion on that? You know, certainly the trends show that millennials are staying downtown longer and they're staying in in rental units, and we're also seeing a lot of the baby boomers downsize and move into the city. And, you know, whether your home ownership is in, a, you know, condo building or a home, you know, those, those are two different things. But, you know, I think that the trend that we – well, so the other trend to think about, particularly on the millennial population, is that people are getting married later and they're having children later. And the also, since the last recession, the lending parameters have become more difficult. But 
now that we're seeing that millennial population start to hold down jobs for you know the length of time that they need to hold down jobs for, um, and now they are starting to get married, and now they are starting to have children, I do think that until the school systems in a lot of urban areas get fixed, there still will be home ownership that goes on in the suburban areas, and we're going to start to see that increase from the millennial population as well. And or you're going to see an explosion of private schools and things of that that are hybrid private schools, which is definitely something else that you're seeing across the country too. Whereas private yeah. schools before were seen, was seen as something just rich people. Now everybody is seriously considering private schools for all the reasons that you express. So, yeah, that is yeah. fascinating. It's interesting to kind of watch these trends because it's, you know, over the past 20 years, things have changed just so much. And I think you hit the nail on the head too. Uh, you, you know, it's funny, uh, Julie's grandma, her name was Minnie. And uh, she used to collect, I mean, she had hordes of everything. And I remember when we had to help them move once, she had this big collection of rubber bands. I'm, I swear she had this one gathering of rubber bands that was about the size of a beach ball because she just saved rubber bands. It was the mentality of people that lived through the Depression, you see. And it's interesting that we're seeing similar scars, similar emotional scars that are still remaining from whatever, you know, the housing crash, though I think probably retrospectively it will be seen as a Depression. But those those scars last generations, you know, and uh, maybe that housing crash of 07, 08, 09, maybe that's going to be something that does lead to a mind shift and maybe I don't need to own a home. Maybe, I mean, Julie, I, I, we think about, well, maybe we want to buy a little vacation place someplace. And Julie keeps on saying, why would we want to if we can just go to VRBO? And you know what? I've got no uh, counter uh, argument against that because it doesn't really make any sense. So it is kind of fascinating. I love that your investment companies are all kind of focused on the future. Um, so uh, let's talk about Hello Tech. That's also very interesting. Yeah, Hello Tech is, you can think of it as being Uber meets Geek Squad. So it is outsourced IT support for individuals and small businesses. And so you can think of it, um, let's start with the individual, whether you are a homeowner or living in an apartment building. Um, smart home technology is becoming more and more prevalent. There's about 20, uh, 7 billion devices online today, and that's estimated to be about 50 billion by 2020. And a big portion of that is going to be in the form of smart home devices. And so that's everything from um, you know, Abode, which is one of our companies, which is a security on-demand uh, monitoring security platform, uh, your August Locks, your Nest, um, your Lutron lights, you know, all, all these different devices that can be controlled. And, and that's all great when, you know, when it all works, but setting it up is difficult, and if something goes wrong, that's equally as difficult. And so what HelloTech is doing is it's providing, say, move-in services, whether, again, whether it's for the home or for the tenant, and so we're seeing a lot of realtors providing these as closing gifts. Um, or in a lot of buildings providing it as a tech service as an amenity. And, and so move-in gifts, meaning like they, they can, um, they'll, they'll hang the TV, they'll make sure it talks to the stereo, they'll make sure that that talks to the um, picture on the wall, which is controlled by the device on your wrist <laughs> to assess your mood. But, you know, basically that everything's connected and everything's working. And then there's a second offer, which is basically kind of like a, um, ongoing tech support needs, and so it's almost like a home, you can think of it as a home warranty, this is a tech warranty, 
where something goes wrong, again, whether it's inside the home from one of these smart home devices, or it is in a building where the wireless goes down, or a property management office or the rental leasing office, or a brokerage office where the printer goes down or the, the, the computer is not working anymore, uh, Hello Tech will come in and service that. Yeah, it's a cool idea. I'm reading your other descriptions too. You have so many of these cool companies. I mean, there's HomeBot, which is a great idea. Preclose, which is, oh my gosh, I hope that company really works well because that is one area that the real estate industry really sucks at. Kubik, uh, uh, again, I'm not, Kubikasa, is that right? Did I get it right? Yep. Oh, I got it right. Yeah. Yay. Okay. And then Abode <laughs> mentioned that one. That's really cool. So, I mean, I'm seeing all these companies. I'm seeing sort of some trends in what you focus on. And I wrote down a couple of questions because you know we're going to have a lot of folks that are going to be writing down every word that you say because they're going to be trying to pitch you to get you to invest in their company, right? So what is it? what niches, I don't know if niche is the right word, but what segments or parallels are you looking for right now to invest in or what really, like if you have to choose between 20 different proposals that are in front of you, 20 different entrepreneurs that want to meet with you and you only have a limited amount of time, which I'm sure true, which one do you put at the top of the page just based purely on what their, uh, what their technology is? What do you focus on or is there a focus? Uh, often we're looking at different technologies that are happening outside the industry and thinking about how they can – be effective inside the industry. And so some of the trends we're looking at, for example, is artificial intelligence and machine learning. You know, how can those kinds of things be applicable, whether it's you know, qualifying leads or it is analyzing contracts or you know, various things within the industry, even if there's an outside application to it today. Um, some other things that we're looking at is we think that the um, blockchain technology has a lot of different implications within the real estate space. We're looking heavily at that. Um, we're looking at well, IoT you're gonna have devices. To hover there. You're, you're going to have to hover there. Now, I know that there were some companies that started up that basically were doing investment, trying to create investment portfolios around. So explain what you're talking about because that's going to be something that is like totally off the beaten path that will blow my listeners' minds. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the short, very short version, because this can be a long discussion, but the short version is that blockchain technology really kind of provides for opportunities to have a single source of truth so that you can eliminate a lot of third-party providers in the process. And so we see that first with the implementation of Bitcoin and other digital currencies. And, uh, and we're seeing that affect the financial industry, but you can start to think about how it affects title and insurance and a lot of different things around a, a home purchase transaction that, um, that can both create a more efficient and, um, you know, both faster and sort of more um, informative process in the whole real estate transaction and really change a lot of ways and processes that, current home buying and selling is, is being run. You could just say it's too complicated to explain on this podcast. You could just said that. <laughs> I think you tried to. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's talk about the leadership qualities, what you look for in folks that, I mean, obviously somebody is presenting to you. There must be certain characteristics and qualities of folks and companies you choose to invest in. Technology aside, if the technology that's being proposed to you is being proposed to you by somebody that you do or don't have confidence in, and that has to play a good bit of uh, a good role. I mean, you know, I, I, what's that show on HBO? Uh, you know what it's called. Uh, you know, in the, where they're, they're in. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so I watch Silicon Valley. I know they <laughs> That's my background in this, so I'm an expert, right? So, I mean, you look for certain <laughs> qualities and characteristics. What are those qualities and characteristics you look for? Yeah, I mean, we love it when a when a multiple entrepreneur, so someone who's had exits in the past comes to us. We like we want to make sure that whoever the entrepreneur and the CEO is who's running the business yeah, you know, they have to show us why they and their team are the ones uniquely capable of executing on their vision. And so that's a quality we really look for. We don't take companies at the idea stage. All of our companies have at least a national working platform. It might be pre-revenue, but, at least, but they have a national product, a scalable product. Um, and we take companies all the way up to $30 million in revenues. So... We really like to see that, you know, again, like there's a proof of concept in the market that the entrepreneur has executed on that, and they have a go-to-market strategy that we can really get behind and back. Well, okay, so I heard what you said. Basically, you're, you, you gave me an answer that makes perfect sense. You want to see that they've actually built a working version of their product. They don't necessarily have to – they couldn't the, – the monetization of it could be somewhere in the future, but the reality is that you have to have a functioning team where people obviously can work uh, enough, uh, work efficiently enough that they can produce a product that has a proof of concept. That's what I'm hearing you say. But what are the what are the qualities of the folks that you're looking for? I mean, is there any is there any current constants you run into folks all the time, and you must know that there's there's got to be, or maybe I'm wrong. I mean, but is there a certain X factor that you sometimes sense a quality, a characteristic? Uh, that you look for or that you sort of intuitively know that when someone's got that, chances are they're going to be successful with you? Yeah, I mean, the person has to be incredibly driven. You know, they need to not worry about um, if they're going to work all day and all night to make sure that their uh, product or service gets in front of the right people and, and, you know, they find a way to get there. I like people who are coachable because, Nobody knows what they don't know, and if they're not willing to listen along the way, they're not going to succeed. Um, they need to be strong leaders. They need to be able to lead a team, um, but they also need to be humble enough to accept advice. Um, they need to be able to rally smart people around them and great advisors and investors, and they need to be able to be articulate in explaining both their vision and their, their path for growth. How often do these guys come to you with a great product but no idea how to sell it? Often. I would think like every time, right? I mean, how often do you actually <laughs> have one of these tech guys that knows actually how to sell product, right? I mean, at the Inman thing recently, Julie and I didn't go, but I had a lot of friends that said that basically for every one attendee, there are three people trying to sell stuff to agents. And I thought that was kind of fascinating that people are all gravitating towards this old paradigm of going to conventions and whatnot and getting booths and hoping that your buyers walk by and you happen to say the right thing at the right time. But how, again, going back to the qualities and characteristics of a, a company that you see being successful, because you've been involved in these companies. I mean, back when your days at the National Association, you've seen some of these companies start as small and scale. And, I, and would you say that their ability to generate business, generate leads, actually scale a sales team? I mean, where, where do they start worrying about that? How important is that? What, you know, help me along those lines to understand. Because I get these guys, Constance, that email us and they ask questions. They want to be on our podcast, right? 
and they ask us, well, how do I, you know, this is the technology and whatever, and I really like it. And then I start talking to them, and they have no ability to basically execute a sale. They just think magically re- agents are going to land on their websites and fill out a form and boom, bada bang, it's going to be done. They have no concept about the whole sales process. So I guess what I'm asking is when you are talking with an investment company, if they are that ignorant, you're still moving forward to them. But how do you go about educating them on that missing element? So for all of you guys who want to be on our podcast and you're selling technology to agents, listen to what she's about to say. Well, I think you sort of hit it. If they don't know how to, if they if they don't know how to sell and execute, we stop talking to them because ah. having an idea or even having a great product is is important. But if you can't sell it, you're never going to succeed. So we look at 4,500 companies a year, and we will work with 15 or 20. We are very, very selective on who we work with. And what you find in reality is that it's not about having the best product. It's about having the best sales team. That's so So, flipping powerful what you just said, Constance. That's so (laughs) powerful what you said. But it's so true, too. Because I see guys, with again, with great ideas where I think, oh, my God, what you need to do, brothers, to sell that idea because you're never going to be able to learn. You're never going to sell it yourself because your head's so, it, you know, they don't, have, they don't have that mindset. They don't get that. They're almost anti that. So that's very fascinating to hear someone from your position actually kind of reinforce um, my observations for a lot of these guys. That is so true. So that's where the coaching from you comes in. That's where basically the mentoring comes in. That's where they have to be receptive to doing uncomfortable things, learning how to sell and things of that nature. Is that about right? That's right. And, and or finding people to add to the team who can. Which, again, is an interesting challenge. Forming a sales team, forming a functioning sales team is definitely harder than coming up with a great idea. I agree with what you said. <laughs> those, those weren't your yeah, exact words, you know, but that was definitely what I've noticed. Yeah. Ideas cool. are cheap, but execution is uh, execution is the key to everything. I 100% agree. So listen, uh, we have to round the bend. If, um, <laughs> folks are obviously going to want to get in contact with you. Uh, how do they do so? How do you want potential uh, investment guy, uh, investment companies to approach you? I assume there's a semi-formal way, or do you just want an email? Yeah, no, people should definitely come and look at our website first and foremost. You know, there's a lot of people that we get emails from that, you know, want healthcare investments, and, you know, clearly that's not what we do. So people should first come to the website and educate themselves on whether they're a right fit for us. And if so, they can send an email to info at modernventures.com. There's also a um, inquiry page on on Modern Ventures. So they, there's a contact form they can get in touch with us through that as well. But it's modern with an e modernventures.com. Do you guys take the company? How far do you guys take the companies? You said you don't look for the brand new ones. You look for ones that basically have some momentum. Do you do you hold ownership all the way through, or do you guys then try to bring in other investors with the idea of either basically a merger, an acquisition, or a sale? What's generally the path, or is it an individualistic answer? Yeah, we're we're most generally minority investors, so we definitely bring bring more um, strategic and traditional venture investors around the table. So yeah, we we will lead a deal, we'll syndicate a deal, we'll follow in on a deal. Um, we, if, if a company, so we have both the, uh, the fund itself in which we generally invest in companies that are two to 20 million in revenue. 
And then we also have what we call the, the Passport Program, which is our Industry Immersion Program. And that, that program is stage agnostic, so we'll bring in companies that are seed stage all the way up to $200 million valuations, pre-revenue all the way up to $30 million in revenues. And that program is how we help bring companies together with the industry and how we bring executives with the industry together with technology companies. And so um, when a company comes through that, we might make a, you know, an earlier stage investment after we, after we get comfortable with them. Um, but in any case, we or, – or it might be a company that we made a core investment in and, and bring through. But in any case, we'll generally be a, uh, a minority investor. We love bringing in additional investors. Um, you know, we'll, we'll continue following on. We often take board positions or observer positions. So we're, we're very active investors. And, uh, you know, we, we work with the companies to figure out their best exit opportunities, whether that's a, a sale of some type to a strategic, some kind of merger, or uh, all the way to an IPO. Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Constance, I always love talking with you. It's fun. I think I've had you on this podcast. You've uh, honored us with your presence three or four times, and it's interesting for me to think back to some of our original conversations, how much your how, how much what you're investing in has changed, and it's definitely fascinating to see how you are sort of leading the edge of what people are going to probably be wanting to learn more about in the future. So, guys, I strongly encourage you to go to our website if you're looking to have a you know. Uh, she doesn't want to basically uh, mastermind with you about ideas. That's what she said. She's looking for specifically for specific uh, companies that they can invest in. If you think you're a good fit, go to their website, go through their process. Maybe she'll uh, give you a sit down. You can see if that's a good fit for you guys. Otherwise, um, agents, listen to what she said about some of these product ideas and these companies that they're helping to create. You definitely want to go to their websites and see if they're a good fit. I love that. Uh, what was that tech? One again, what was that one? Uh, I, I closed your Hello notes. Tech. I forget all of a sudden. Yeah, I love Hello that idea tech. as a closing yep. gift. That, that is a kick-ass closing gift idea. So <laughs> agents, you're, you're sending flowers or giving you know, some of these old-school presents. Hello, tech, nowadays, that would be a killer uh, present to give to folks. I would have loved to have received that, that's for sure. So, Constance, again, yeah, thank you very much for being my co-host. Yeah, I and connect everything. <laughs> well, then, I mean, okay, I'll, true story. So I bought six August locks. <laughs> okay, so we had new doors installed on our house, new doors requiring obviously lots of money, which goes back to the idea of wouldn't it have been nice to live in a luxury apartment, but that aside the point. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get these stupid August locks to, uh, uh, to work, and so they all went back to Amazon. I mean, just the whole thing was just an exercise in futility, and I wish I would have known about Hello Tech. <laughs> so listen, I really appreciate <laughs> yeah, your time on our show well. today. That's right. You you have a fantastic day. And listeners, thank you for listening. Remember, listeners, you can listen anytime to thousands of past shows that live on iTunes, that live on Stitcher, and also on TimAndJulieHarris.com. Constance Friedman, thank you very much for being my co-host. Everyone else, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.